great. He wants you to be separated, but there's some things here that we have to focus on. It's not enough for me to say I'm good at something or my great at something. I have effect on you. If that if there's no effect on you, <laughs> I know a lot of people who think they're great. It's up in here. It's in their heads. There's a lot of people, just read a few minutes, social media, on the news. A lot of people think that they are great, and really, they are the least. Because we're going to look at something here, because he says here, you have to be a servant in order for you to encounter greatness. So let's keep going here. God does not want us to be great in the world, but he wants us to be great in his kingdom. We're seeking great in the flesh. God says, no, that's ambition. You're trying to, you're, you're so ambitious that you're trying to find greatness and you're never going to find it because it's fleeting, it's temporary, it's, it's, it's rotting, it's falling apart because guess what? You are dying. But if you truly want to be great, you are going to have to do something that most people who are seeking greatness will not want to do. Mark chapter 9 verse 35. Got a lot of scriptures today because the Holy Spirit was just, just piling them on yesterday and throughout the week. He says, see, Jesus sat down to teach. And he called the 12 disciples and he said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last in importance and a servant to all. In other words, if you're going to want to be great, you're going to have to be less. Uh, greatness requires reduction. If you want to be great, you're going to have to allow yourself to be reduced. Pastor Rick, can I get any reduced anymore? Yeah. We can get reduced all the way down. Re reduction sometimes means uh, you know, losing some stuff. It means less of me, of course, more of him. Kingdom greatness, here it is, kingdom greatness, that is servanthood. And it looks nothing like the world wants it to look like because the world was looking towards ambition. So if I reduce myself, I will be great in the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 and 44 says this. Whoever wishes to become great among whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first and most important among you must be slave of all. Slave of all. Servant. If I'm serving, I can't have any desires for me. I've got to find out what your desires are. What do you need from me? What do you need me to do? What prayer do you need? When I walk into a room, I don't walk like this. I walk like this. Let me help you. If I'm not doing that, I will never be great. It doesn't make any difference how much money you have because that is all fleeting. You want to be great in the kingdom of God. That is eternal because that's connected to something well beyond what, where we're at. We're desiring a solution. We're desiring a Band-Aid. I've got a boo-boo, I fell down. Okay, if I don't take care of it, it remains that. It might get infected. It, it's always going to, I'm always going to be focusing on it. I don't want a Band-Aid for something. I don't want a Band-Aid for the lack of finances or the lack of whatever jobs or gigs. No, there's something bigger than this. If I'm continually looking at what I don't have, that means I will never be great because I'm continually looking at what I don't have, what I'm missing. And God's saying, look, you're looking at yourself and I'm telling you to look at them. I'm telling you to go pray for them. I'm telling you to go prophesy to them. I'm telling you that if you want to be great in my kingdom and I want you to be great, there's the doctrine of greatness. God wants you to be great. 
But there are so many people in your life that are telling you the opposite, the polar opposite. I saw this thing yesterday about the vor- a, a space vortex, everything going in, in the black hole, everything going in. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we're pouring, we're pouring out, and there's nobody there. Or there's somebody there, and you're pouring out, and they're, they're, they're just giving you back valueless stuff. God wants you to be great, and the only way you're going to be able to be great is you're going to have to be less. Okay, I'll stand in line for a demotion, Lord. Who does that? I'll stand in line for a demotion. If it means that I will be, uh, you're teaching me something, if it means that I got to give up something, if it means I'm going to have to have a season of, of lack or a season of concern, then okay, then let me have that. But what you're showing me is that it's not me that I should be helping, that I should be concerned with. It is you. Jesus said this, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sometimes greatness means that you will die. Sometimes greatness means that you in the flesh will die. This is why we have a name for that called martyrdom. Or it means that you will die to self. And if we don't truly die to self, we are still addicted. We are still problems. We are still wavering in our faith. We're still waking up in the mornings waiting for that beast to sit on your chest to remind you of what you are not and what you don't have. When God is saying, I want to make you great, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm wrestling with this. No. The liar is well. The enemy is fat and, oh, it's, it's, it's well. And it's feasting off of the faithlessness or the wavering of the body of Christ. We have to stand from a position, no longer of I wonder, but that I know. If I'm still wondering if God is hearing my prayers, I wonder if I fast, he'll hear me. I wonder if I worship, he'll hear me. I wonder if I do a lot of good things, he will move faster on my behalf. If I'm wondering, I've just demolished anything in my heart. I've just reduced everything that I wanna do or that I have done because I'm guessing. The truth of the matter is, I don't know if God's going to do this, but I need to bring myself to a new place. And I need to bring myself and stand there with a security and an assuredness knowing God is for me. He is not against me. He's never going to leave me. I don't care where I go. If I go into a spiritually charged uh, uh, arena, into a demonically uh, 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 filled arena, God is still there. He's still in charge. Greatness requires reduction. And ambition, we have to look at ambition as a poison. Because if ambition is present, man, all the beautiful things God is setting up right now in your life, all of these miracles, you know, coming in, coming into the, coming to an arena, a place where God has sent you. Uh, on Friday, we spoke about, the Lord just rose this up because this was not part of the message uh, on, on Friday morning. And what he rose up was spiritual boardrooms. We have spiritual boardrooms. Now, if you've ever been, you've all been in business at some point or another, boardrooms take different shapes and sizes. Some are fancy schmancy, others are just bone, table, TV trays, and cabinets. But it's a boardroom. In our spiritual lives, we have the same place. 
We go to these places, we retreat to these places, we make deals in these places, we, we discuss things with the Holy Spirit, He shows us certain things, but we all go there with the purpose and intent to come out with something that we did not have. Nobody enters into a boardroom to make a deal and comes out empty-handed. Somebody is going to have something. And God is sending us in those same places, in those same arenas, because He wants you to understand that if you can reduce yourself and you enter in that boardroom, you're going to walk out of that place and you're going to be great. Your name is going to be known. He is not against your name being known. Why? Because he can trust you. In your heart, I can tell you what the word says. He'll trust you. If he gave you a little bit and you, and you turn that little bit into, into much, he can trust you. So that means when you, when you exit that spiritual boardroom, you are going to have more than you bargained for. As long as ambition is not present, and as long as it's not about me, it's not, it's not about satisfying an earthly need, because if it's about satisfying an earthly need, it will take forever. Because that means you're looking at you're looking at you. And in order in order to be great in the kingdom of God, we have to be servant. We have to concern ourselves in a world that says me first. How many of you have merged on a freeway? You're merging on a freeway. You got two lanes. This is this is this is that concept of, of the me first thing. You got two lanes. Amen. Two cars get to that red light. And they've all been going, you know, one and two. But there's always that person, always that person, that gets to the lane before you and goes on before you, before it's even green, because it's about them. First Peter chapter four, verses one and two. I want to, I want to, I'll read that right now. But, but what I want to do is I want to give you a, a biblical understanding of the word great. Greatness. What does that actually mean? So here you go. Great is defined in the Hebrew as large as in body, large as in mind, large as in estate or honor. It exceeds in excellence. It causes one to grow up and it causes one to increase. So far, this sounds real good. I like this. That through all greatness, God would be magnified in us or through us, and that he would be promoted in us. So greatness is not about me. Greatness falls upon us because all I can see is him. Him first in my life. Jesus first in my life. The Holy Spirit the Godhead in my life first. There is no, there's no shifting. There's no one moment yes, one moment no. No, this is, we're on this highway and you, you don't stop and say, oh, excuse me, I have an itch on my foot. Stop on the fast lane. No, you just keep going. You plow through it. Even with the traffic, you're still moving along. God does not want us in any way whatsoever to stop the direction that you are in right now. Now there is so much that God wants to bless you with. And out of this spiritual boardroom, we were just talking, the Holy Spirit was prophesying. You don't even know the things that God has already set into motion. You may have walked past them and you didn't even recognize them. I mean, you were, you're still praying, God, show me something. Yeah, but that doesn't look real big, Pastor Rick. It's not supposed to be. Sometimes greatness comes in really small packages. 
Sometimes it comes a little bumps alongside the road, or maybe it's new people in your life. Maybe it's a new group in your life. It's a new project, a new concept. Remember, we're not the only ones that possess the creativity. God's given that to a lot of other people around us, and then they bring little bits and little pieces, and all of a sudden it fuses in you. It's like, wow, I didn't see this. I didn't think about this. Wow, I'm in control. God made me in control. I am not out of control. I don't have, I have everything. I've got everything I need. Full authority, all the resources I need. I got a big name backing me. We have the one name that counts. We have the one name that counts. It just surpasses every other name that we have ever known. And that name is Jesus. It's the one name that, that man is going to, is at the very last moment, is going to call out. That name is a mighty name, a powerful name, but that name is connected to greatness, and mine is not, but it manifests in me. It manifests upon you. God has great things in store for you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh and died for us, arm yourselves hmm, like warriors, with the same purpose, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God. I'm sure you've lost some friends over the course of time. You know, we live in this social media thing. You know, as soon as, as, soon as you, you put up something about Jesus, to do, you know, unfriend. As soon as you say you stand up for what you know is right, unfriend. But that's okay. Don't worry about that. There's a lot more friends. For every one you lose, God's got a hundred more waiting. How do I know that? Because what Jesus taught us was that he went to his own hometown. And you hear me talk about that, but I think as a body of Christ, we really, we really need to pay, pay a little more attention to that. It says that he went to his hometown so that the, his, his intention was that, the, that for, the, for healing to come to them. But they couldn't see that. What they saw was their own perspective, their political positions or their social arenas or the people that they, they moved and grooved with because all they could see was just that little guy named Jesus. They, they couldn't see the authority in him. They couldn't recognize him as the son of God. And even though, and I always think about this, it says not all received or not all were healed, but that means the town saw that. You're looking at a healing. You're looking at some, and we don't know what kind of miracles, but if I know my Jesus, there had to be a dead person in there somewhere. And a dead person rose up. You mean to tell me that, that even seeing the miracles that took place in that hometown, that somebody didn't say, having a second thought, oh, I, I, I think he might be the son of God. I've not seen a dead person rise up before. I didn't, I've never seen a blind man see. What this teaches us, sometimes the hardness of heart is the trajectory for you to leave. Sometimes the hardness of heart is time for you to remove yourself from that arena, to remove yourself because you're wasting time on this path, on this road to greatness. You can't be a servant to somebody who only wants to take. God wants you to be a servant to those that he wants you to be a servant towards and not to those that will not recognize that it's not you doing this, it's God through you. And if they're not going to give glory to God, if they're only going to say, oh, look, at there, there's Rick, and go ask him, he'll give whatever you want. And they don't recognize Jesus in me, I'm sorry, I'm dusting, I'm just shaking off, I'm going to get the sand out of my sandals, I'm on my way to the next person. And if you unfriend me, or if you don't talk to me, or if you don't write me back, or if you don't text me, you know, I don't have time for that. We don't have time for that as the body of Christ because we're growing 
regarding the things not of the world and the temporal things that rot and decay and move around, because those are the things that are distractions. The world is filled with distractions. Got a lot of messages here. A lot of messages here about distractions. We got a lot. Of, this is even the Word of God teaches about about distractions. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Keep going forward. Don't marry. Don't look at the Canaanites. Don't just keep moving forward. And what do we do? We get distracted. We marry the Canaanites, and we we become part of the land. As soon as you tell me no, what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to take another cookie. It's one of those things that's built in us. It's it's this thing that we have. As soon as we as soon as God tries to say, look, I've I've got a path for you. Stay on that road. What do I do? I veer off to the left. I veer to the right. And God wants you to be great. And the only way that we can be. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with Christ, is done with intentions, or otherwise sin, or having stopped pleasing the world, so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires. Oh, Lord, I know where this is going. But lives for the will and the purpose of God. I mean, I can't do that? No. If it's part of the will and purpose of God, then you can't knock yourself out. But we know what the will and purpose of God is. We know. I don't need, we don't need another message on what the will and the purpose of God is. The will and the purpose of God is that you would be great and his greatness would shine through you so that you would be, uh, you would be successful wherever you go so that you would be that impact, so that you would be that prophet that, that, that goes into that person's life and speaks a word so that it redirects them, realigns them. Not an old message, a new message. The Bible does not define the prophet, define the prophet as speaking just any old prophetic word. It must be new. It has to be a new message in your life, but not any word. And the reason that that's, that's critical is because it must be laden, filled, dripping, saturated with the purpose and the will of God. If those two elements are missing, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be standing by the oven waiting for that bread to pop out and nothing's coming out. Manna will not come out. It needs all the elements that God has given for us. We're to live lives according to the will and the purpose of God, not according to my desire or ambition. We cannot live for fleshly passions. And he emphasizes this by telling us not to live for the human nature, but to live for the spiritual. How difficult it is for us to live that way in a world that is demanding and clamoring, uh, do this, uh, be like this. Uh, this is what God really meant. No, it's not one man. No, it's not one woman. It's whatever the world defines. I'm sorry, the word is the word. If I depart from the word, then that means I am not inclining my ears to him. If I'm not inclining my ears to him, then I am becoming like the world. God doesn't want us to be like the world. He wants us to be sticking out like a sore thumb. The world doesn't want you to stick out like a sore thumb. It wants you to accept all of the things that are, that are, of, that are not of God. But if I am continually inclining my ear to his word, even if I did not know, I will eventually know what my father wants. Matthew 25, verse 23. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. And now I will put you in charge of men. That's a, that's a big call. That's a big responsibility. 
But God saw something that in you that maybe you don't see within yourself. You have the ability and the gifting to carry much more weight than you think you do. The frightening part about it is this, is that maybe I won't make it this far. But the good thing about it is I can strive. God wants to be great in our lives. He wants to be great in your life. Increase comes to the servant. Anybody want increase? I love increase. I love when increase comes. Yes. Lord, give me increase. What is he going to say? Are you faithful? We all pray for increase. Have you been faithful? Because if I haven't been faithful, then increase is there. He wants me to have it, but I am not being faithful. He wants me to be faithful, and then God releases that increase of greatness into your life. Servants become great in the kingdom of God only. He wants you to be great in the kingdom of God. And then finally, greatness overflows and intersects the world that we live in. There's your spiritual boredom. God wants you to be effective wherever you go. And in this season right now, there are some testimonies that are rising up from ground zero that are going to knock you silly. You're going to say, I didn't even see that coming. I thought I had it all worked out. I'm really good at my Excel spreadsheet. I thought I had it all worked out. I had everything in my, in my Google calendar, in my iPhone calendar. I had it all worked out, but I didn't see that coming. Right, because you can't. But I will tell you, be faithful with the greatness God gives you. And watch how he will multiply that greatness. And you won't be great in the, in the world first. You will be great in the kingdom of God 